Hey everyone, how you doing? Welcome to episode number 31 of the John Riley Project. It's Super Bowl Sunday. It's a little bit past one o'clock. I thought I'd get in here and kind of sneak in a podcast before we head off to our Super Bowl party. My wife Kim and I were heading down to a friend's house here in Poway. We're going to enjoy Super Bowl Sunday with them. This is the Van Ostrens. I think we've been down there the last couple of Super Bowls and they've always hosted a great event. So hey, thank you very much, Cliff and Mary, for having Having us looking forward to a great game and a good time with friends. Um, I don't know, you know, I, I, my my interest in the NFL. I got to admit, my interest in the NFL has been declining, especially since the Chargers left San Diego. You know, I don't have as big of a dog in the hunt here. Uh, I'm not really rooting for anyone today, but my prediction is Patriots 27. Rams 17. Let's see what happens in the game. I was just watching the pregame show on CBS and they had a great feature story on the the Super Bowl 3, the New York Jets and Joe Namath and talking about how he was the guy that basically made the Super Bowl what it is and he had, he had swag before anyone else had swag and and I loved the feature story on him and when he was sitting um, on the panel there with all the current, you know, guys like Phil Sims and Boomer Esiason, you know, he was, he basically said to, to everybody, he says, don't let anybody tell you, you can't do it. And I love that. So Joe Namath, man, way to go. Love that feature on you. Um, but yeah, we'll see how the game goes. I guess there's some controversy about Maroon 5 and what they've got going on for their halftime show. So a little bit of intrigue there, but looking forward to a good game. And um and, you know, a friend of mine used to tell me that the, the holiday season always started on Halloween and ended on Super Bowl Sunday. So I guess we're at the final day of the Halloween season. And um, and then we, hey, then we're going to start getting ready for baseball. The pitchers and catchers are reporting in a couple of weeks. So really looking forward to that. So, hey, if... Um, if you're here watching the show on YouTube, maybe you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, on Stitcher. Hey, thank you very much for joining me at the John Riley Project. This is a podcast about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what we talk about. We have guests. A lot of times it's me doing these solo podcasts like I am today. We're going to talk about Howard Schultz today, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, but listen, if you're um, a first-time listener, first-time viewer, thank you very much. You know, Please keep coming back. We appreciate you giving it us a try. And hey, if you're a longtime viewer, longtime listener, thank you very much. Really appreciate your support. Um, but hey, let's uh, let's get into it. We're talking about Howard Schultz. And I, I think maybe you've been following the news. Um, Howard Schultz just announced um, on 60 Minutes last week that he is considering running for president of the United States. Well, it sounds like he really is going to run. Um, he's got all of his ducks in a row. Uh, Howard Schultz is the CEO of Starbucks. And so when he decided he was going to run for president, this set off a cascade of reaction. And to me, it's been fascinating to watch all this play out. So let, let's kind of look at Howard Schultz. Who is he? Okay, like I said, he's he's a billionaire. He's the founder of Starbucks. I mean, this guy, it's a true rags to riches story. I mean, I think this is sort of the American dream. You know, this guy was uh, raised in a poor family in Brooklyn. He lived in the projects and in, in government public housing. You know, his parents were struggling to make ends meet. They had to, they had to, depend on charity to survive. I mean, he lived in a very difficult circumstances as a child. 
Now he's worth a billion dollars. You know, he he bought into he was an employee at the original Starbucks. He saved his money. He eventually bought the company. He expanded it, took them public, and now there's what three Starbucks on every corner. I mean, what a business model. I mean, this guy sells not only does he sell a product that people love and enjoy, a product that honestly is addictive, a product that has tremendous profit margin, and a product that, you know, People like it. People get excited about it. It's a cultural, you know, transformational thing. People get it. People, I don't know. It's it's cool to drink Starbucks for a lot of people. I've I've only recently started drinking coffee. I haven't become a Starbucks warrior by any means. But I really, as a as a guy that respects entrepreneurism, as a guy like myself that respects you know people going out there and making it happen and and uh, using hustle and good decision making and having a great strategy. I mean, Howard Schultz. It really should be a guy in our country that we celebrate. But this past week, he's been just ripped apart by the media because he announced that he was going to run for president, not as a Democrat, because he's a longtime Democrat. He decided that he's going to run as an independent candidate outside of the two-party system and what he considers himself to be a centrist. And to me, this is just amazing just to watch how this all plays out because you know, right now, you know, obviously Trump is in office. Trump is the president. Trump has put forward a long list of policies that I personally find very objectionable. Um, I'm not a supporter of President Trump by any means. And people that are on the left, people that are progressives are completely outraged by Trump in many ways for very justifiable reasons. And what we're seeing amongst in the Democratic Party is that they're swinging left. You know, people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Elizabeth Warren, um, you know, some of the other more recently announced candidates, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker. We're starting to hear policies like Medicare for all, which is essentially government nationalizing the healthcare insurance industry. We're hearing about um, free college, um, which on the surface sounds wonderful, but ultimately it ends up taxing the poor that don't go to college so rich people can get discounts, which I find to be a problem. I hope you would too. Um, We're seeing guaranteed jobs programs being presented. We're seeing these really aggressive wealth taxes being presented. I mean, it's just, there's a major attack on rich people, successful people, and you're seeing the people on the left are emboldened. And so what's happening within the Democratic Party is the whole movement is moving left. And now here's Howard Schultz, and he, I think we can consider him, you know, some people call them corporate Dems, uh, more of a centrist Dem, not really for the socialist policies, because he he's a supporter of, of Obamacare. Um, he is not a supporter of Medicare for all or single payer. He thinks it could you know bankrupt the nation. And actually, if you look at the numbers, it's it's going to cost like over three trillion dollars a year um, for Medicare for all. Um, the tax rate for that is going to be outrageous. Um, and w- Medicare, as it exists now, is financially underwater. Won't be able to fulfill the promises to um, taxpayers, you know, later on in the next decade. Um, and now there's talk of expanding it. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of models in Europe that people believe they can execute here in America. 
I don't have that level of confidence or that level of trust in the government to do it that way. Um, and I know that the way our system works is that it'll end up getting distorted and moneyed interest will get involved there and begin to play the game. Um, but at any rate, he is um, for Obamacare. He wants to address the national debt, which is refreshing to hear. You know, you hear that from so few candidates. Usually the candidates that I like, the candidates that are the freedom-oriented candidates are the ones that talk about the national debt. Guys like Justin Amash and Thomas Massey and Rand Paul and Mike Lee, um, those guys talk about the debt. But rarely do you ever hear anyone in the Democratic Party talk about the debt. Howard Schultz is doing that. So, he, he even talked about reversing the Bush, uh, excuse me, the Trump tax cuts for for corporations. Um, so he's an interesting guy, and um, you know, I'm 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 not necessarily a supporter of him. I probably would never vote for him, but I really like the whole idea of his candidacy because I've always been a big critic of the Republican Democratic duopoly that exists where the system is so rigged for those two parties that independent candidates, third party candidates struggle to um, get elected, not just at the presidential level, but at the senator level, at the congressional level, and even at the state level, state senator, state assembly. It's really hard to break through um, if you're not a Republican and you're not a Democrat. Democrat. And I'm not either a Republican or a Democrat. I find the policies of both parties to be very objectionable. And, I, and particularly now, as the, the, right, the Republicans have gone towards Trump and this notion of America first and protectionism and build a wall and travel bans. I mean, to me, the Republican Party went went to crazy land. And now the Democratic Party is also going to crazy land with all of these aggressively socialist policies. Um, you know, I'm all for free markets and for individual rights and for, you know, capitalism, not socialism, not, well, the, the Trump side of it is cronyism. That's what he's doing with these these tariffs and these subsidies to corporations. To me, it's it's insane. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited that we're starting to see a third alternative. Because remember in the 2016 election, when it was Trump versus Hillary, people were desperate for a third choice, um, and at least up on that podium when they had the debates. I mean, I ended up not supporting either one of them. I voted for Gary Johnson. I mean, Gary, a flawed candidate, no question, but still, in my opinion, light years better than Hillary or Trump. Um, and so the voters are just desperate for a third voice, an alternative. And I think that's to me, is exciting what Howard Schultz is bringing to the table. Um, but it's just, it's amazing to see how he is being so relentlessly attacked, you know, because the, the line of thinking is, is that if he's a Democrat and maybe he's more of a moderate Democrat, well, that he's going to split the Democratic vote. You know, let, let's just, for the sake of argument, assume that Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren is nominated by the Democratic Party, that the more progressives would gravitate to those candidates, the more moderates would gravitate to Schultz, they would split the Democratic vote and Trump would win. And that's sort of the nightmare scenario for um, my friends on the left. But I'm of, of the belief that Schultz is going to get a lot of support from Republicans because there's a whole bunch of Republicans that are just aghast at Trump and don't support him, don't support his character or his morality, and in many cases, don't support some of his policies. 
And so they are going to have, you know, these sort of middle of the road, these sort of moderate Republicans, these establishment corporate Republicans, I think some of them might be supportive of Schultz because he is going to be um, not the, the craziness of Trump, but also not the craziness of an extreme leftist progressive candidate from the Democratic side. So I saw some of the poll figures come out and the hypothetical was Trump, Kamala Harris, um, and it was Schultz and then unknown. And I think I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but I thought it was Trump 35%, Kamala Harris 34, Schultz 17, and then undecided was like 19. So does that add up to 100? It was something like that. So it's interesting that even though he got bashed so heavily, and if you watch the media, it was aggressive. Um, he got bashed so heavily, yet he still has a decent amount of support. And he and people are just getting to know him. Um, I watched an interview of Schultz on Morning Joe. You know, that's on MSNBC in the mornings, uh, Joe Scarborough. And they were coming after him. Um, and again, I think it's they they don't want him to run as an independent. You know, they probably would be okay if he ran as a Democrat and then see who rises to the top in the Democratic Party. But they're just so resistant to an independent because they don't they want to do everything in their power to make sure that Trump doesn't win. Now, I get it. I mean, I don't want Trump to win in 2020 either. Um, but I also don't want to see. Um, an aggressive far left candidate win either. Um, I also recognize that for me, I live in the state of California. California is going to give all of its electoral college votes to the Democratic candidate. It doesn't matter. So um, if it's Kamala Harris or, you know, Cory Booker or Joe Biden, or we, you know, name the pick, there's like what, 20 people are, have already said they're running or are considering running from the Democratic Party. I know in the state of California, whoever that nominee is, that's who's going to get the electoral college votes in my state. So I tend to vote for alternative choices, people that are bringing forward policies that I believe in, rather than settling for a lesser of evils. So I think the Schultz candidacy to me is intriguing because it has an opportunity to break the Republican Democrat duopoly. You know, I mean, because think about the system, the way it's rigged, how hard it is to get a third party up on the debate stage. I mean, they, they used to have it where you needed 5% in the polls, and then Ross Perot did that in 1992, and then they changed the rules, and now it's 15%. Um, so, they they rig the system to to support the Republicans and Democrats. And frankly, the Commission for Presidential Debates is run by not only the Republican and Democratic parties, but by corporate America, though they're the big sponsors of it, because they want to keep those establishment forces in 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 office. And they want to resist any sort of alternative independent third party runs. The game is rigged. And what Schultz is having to do is that he has to go and put together these massive signature gathering initiatives in all 50 states. These are things that Republicans and Democrats don't have to do. But because he's independent or, you know, in the case of other third parties, they have to do it, too. They have to get huge numbers of of signatures just to get on the ballot. So they can compete. Um, but the system, I keep, I mean, we can go, there's a whole list of reasons the way that I believe our elections are rigged. 
President Trump talked about the elections being rigged, but he was basically thinking they were rigged for the Democrats. I believe they're rigged for both parties. Um, you know, it's so hard, not just on the presidential level for third party or independent candidates to be in the debates, but that's almost impossible at the at the senator level, the congressional level, the state senator, the state assembly level. It's hard to have alternative voices. Um, you know, the corporate media, you know, right now, Howard Schultz is, you know, the the soup of the day, soup of the week. But, you know, as this kind of unfolds, if, if you know, the, the media is going to want to gravitate to Trump. They did it in 2016. Trump was on TV 24-7. The media was obsessed with him because he was all about ratings. That tilted the field, you know, sucked up all the oxygen in the room, and it made it so hard for all the other Republican candidates to compete because Trump just monopolized the media because the corporate media was in bed um, with the Trump candidacy. And so, um, again, I'm, I'm not a supporter of Schultz and his policies. I am a big supporter of him as American success story, as a rags to riches story of a guy that's living the American dream. And it really bothers me to see him getting torn down so much. I think he's a guy that should be celebrated. And I think that he should be given every possible opportunity to, you know, get his name out there and to compete. Um, you know, it's, it's all, all even more ridiculous is people are angry with him because he's a billionaire and they're saying, we don't need more billionaires because that's the trend right now because the Democratic Party has swung so far left. I mean, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says it's immoral to be a billionaire. And I'm thinking, Someone like Howard Schultz is a billionaire because he has so many people that love the company that he created. So if anyone should be a billionaire, it should be Howard Schultz. I mean, because he was one of the, the guys that, you know, he bought Starbucks and built that company with his team, with his employees, with his customers, with his vendors. But he was the leader of that movement. Um, I don't think we should be tearing guys like him down. Um, and so but right now it's trendy to be aggressive, angry um, at billionaires, at rich people. And so for a lot of these progressives, they're not only tearing him down because he's a threat to their candidate, because he's a guy that could open the door for a Trump to come in for a second term, but they're angry with him just because he's rich. You know, Elizabeth Warren is already touting about how she wants to take more of his money with the wealth tax that she's she's cooking up. So it's insane what's going on. Um, so again, I, I'm not supportive of him as a of his of his policies but I love the idea that he's going to maybe be able to break the duopoly and so I'm rooting on with him at, at a certain level and I'm hoping more independent candidates come forward now we're just as another aside we're seeing a lot of you know a lot of democrats announcing you know and it's like almost lately it's been almost one every couple of days the guy that I'm really interested in hearing about is William Weld. Uh, Bill Weld was a former governor of Massachusetts, a Republican that was elected in an overwhelmingly Democratic state. Um, he was the vice presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party and frankly should have been, it was a far better candidate than Gary Johnson was. Um, so now there's rumors that he might run instead of being running in the Libertarian Party, he might run in the Republican Party. And I'm thinking, ooh, this is good because 
William Weld could take it to Trump in the debates. He would be a very he would be a man of cojones to go up against Trump. And I think it would be fabulous to watch how that plays out because Weld is is smart as a whip. He's got he's got huge um, uh, credentials as a former governor. Um, and I think he could take Trump to task. Um, so. I'm not sure what he's going to do, if he's going to run Libertarian, run Republican. Um, Of of all the names that have been floated around so far as potential candidates for president, he's the one to me that is most interesting. But it's still so early. And and so I'm sure a lot more names are going to come forward. But he's going to be up in New Hampshire. I think it's on February 15th. They call it politics and eggs, which is kind of a goofy name, but it's this um, breakfast meeting that's hosted and they always usually have, you know, high profile politicians. The rumor is he's going to announce um, his candidacy for president. I mean, he's definitely going to run. Um, The question is, is is he going to run Republican? Is he going to run Libertarian? Is he going to run as an independent? He said um, throughout the 2016 campaign, he even said as recently as a few months ago that he's all with the Libertarian Party. But now there's people are saying maybe not. Maybe he's going to go back to the Republican. Uh, So we'll see. Um, But at any rate, uh, Howard Schultz, man, keep rocking. Okay, keep going forward. Let's see how this plays out. Um, I know you're doing all your signature gathering. You're doing your testing. I'd imagine you're going to announce officially shortly. So let's see how it plays out. Okay. Um, What else? Um, Hey, I want to put an invitation out to all of you. Uh, If you follow me on social media, I've got Twitter, Instagram. I got my own Facebook page for the John Riley Project. I've created a special Facebook group and it's just for you. And it's called the John Riley Project Insiders Group. And there I have like behind the scenes footage, bonus content. So if you're digging what we're doing here, um, I would invite you to join me there. You just have to request uh, membership. It's invitation only, um, or you have to be invited. Um, If you're already a member of the John Riley Project fan page, um, I'm going to be sending out an invitation to all of you to join the insiders group. And, and there I sometimes will capture a lot of video of, you know, me out and about, you know, when I'm not here in the fabulous John Riley project podcast studio, which is my living room. Um, when I'm not here and I'm out and about, I take a lot of, uh, you know, do a lot of videos and share with you my thoughts and some of my adventures that I'm on. So at any rate, um, I invite you to join me out there. It's a fun, it's a fun opportunity. Um, okay. What else? I want to get into a few other topics. Um, I got the good, the bad, and the ugly. I got some good stuff there, but I, I, I really want to just share with you sort of a, sort of like a personal thing. Um, you know, here it is. What's today? The February, is it the third or is it the fourth? It's Super Bowl Sunday. I think it's the fourth. Um, so maybe you had um, uh, New Year's resolutions. Maybe you've, um, you know, started some New Year's resolutions. Maybe They've gone out the window by now since we're about a month in, which is common. It's hard to keep New Year's resolutions. And usually New Year's resolutions are, what are you going to do? Um, what are the new things you want to do in your life? And generally, I think the whole concept of New Year's resolutions are great because, you know, I talk about this podcast. It's about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And when I talk about life, what that means is is taking 
ownership of your life, taking control of your life. And New Year's resolutions are about, you know, changing your habits and doing new things. And I think they're, they're wonderful. Um, but I've taken kind of a new strategy with this and it's really working for me. And rather than thinking of all the things that I want to do, and I do have my own set of those for my New Year's resolution. But just as an aside, my main thing is I want to go out and do more weekend adventures and I'm already doing it, which is great. But the other thing that I'm doing with my New Year's resolution is I'm stop doing things. It's almost rather than having a to-do list, I have a stop doing list. And to me, I can't tell you how mind-blowing this is as a concept. Maybe you've tried this and it sounds utterly simple, but it's major for me. Um, Because I don't know about you, but there are times in my life I struggle, maybe I feel trapped or, you know, I'm doing things I just don't enjoy doing. And you wonder why I'm doing it. And you kind of get caught in these ruts and these traps. And and so I just finally said, I'm not going to do that anymore. And what I've done is, you know, in my business, you know, I'm a, I'm a marketing consultant. I own a marketing agency. There were some clients that I just decided I didn't want to work with anymore. And so I let them go. And it's been so freeing um, because now not only am I eliminating a lot of the noise in my head, you know, not only the work that I didn't enjoy doing, but all of the in the internal talk of asking myself, why are you doing this? This sucks. I don't enjoy this. I just purged it all and it's gone. And it's easy to do that. Maybe if, if, you know, for some people you got to cling to every dollar that comes in the door. I hear you. I've, I'm fortunate that I have a lot of other clients that I do work for so I can let go of certain clients and it's been freeing. And not only has it opened up a lot of time for me to do things I love, like this podcast, but it is also cleared space in my mind. And so, like I said, there's less noise in my head and I can think more clearly and I'm more focused and it's just been good for my self-esteem. It's been really good for my creativity. And all I'm doing is I pick a few things and I just don't do them anymore. I said, I'm done with that. I'm taking control of my own life. And it's just been great. So it's part of this sort of less is more thing. And it's so, it feels good to purge. You know, even yesterday, I just did a silly thing. I was in my closet and I just picked a few pieces of clothes that I no longer wear and I got rid of them. And I put them in a bag and I put them out in my garage and eventually my family, we take them all to the goodwill. Other people get great use out of it. And that cleansing, that purging is so empowering. Um, So it's all consistent about what can you let go? What can you just say, I'm not doing that anymore? What are the things, the physical things in your life you just want to get rid of? What can you do to purge? Because when you eliminate things, it opens up space for you to do so many more, more exciting things, more um, prosperous things, things that make a positive difference in your life. So I put that out to you. If you're, maybe you want to hit the reset button on your new year's resolutions. I suggest that come up with a stop doing list and it's wonderful. Um, okay. So, um, 
hey, another thing I want to talk about is I'm interested in your feedback. If you're enjoying what we're doing here with the John Riley Project, then visit me on social media. You can get out there on John Riley Poway, which is my Twitter handle. It's also my Instagram handle. On Facebook, I've got my own John Riley personal page, which is usually for family and friends. But I have a John Riley Project page on Facebook. You can reach out to me there. Come to my website, johnreillyproject.com. You can send me a note. I'm interested in your feedback. I'm interested in having more guests. I've got two guests lined up. You know, we're tr- I'm trying to book guests on Tuesdays. That's my thing. So this Tuesday, um, which is the 5th, Okay, so wait, I'm doing the math. Today's the third then. <laughs> Today is Sunday the third, because I know Tuesday's the fifth. So on Tuesday the fifth, I have a guest coming in for a recording for an interview. And then on Tuesday the 12th, we've got another guest coming in, and I've got some conversations with other guests. So um, I'm, I'm really interested in bringing more people on here to the John Riley Project. We'll have a conversation. We'll learn more about um, some of the interesting people and the and the lives that they're, they're living and how they are pursuing happiness. Um, so I put that out there. If you're interested in being a guest, if you are um, interested in making recommendations for guests, then reach out to me and let's book them and get them in here. We'll have some fun. Okay. The good, the bad, and the ugly. This is my new feature segment that allows me to get in a couple of quick hitting pieces that I like to share. Um, In the good column, hey, the Padres, man, I'm just digging what's going on, okay? Now, right now, all the the talk is about Harper and Machado, and are they going to sign one or the other? And it seems like they're legitimately interested in those two players, and I think they would be fantastic. Um, Machado fills a need on the left side of the infield. You can slot him right into third base, have Tatis Jr. there at shortstop, and we would have a fantastic infield. Urias at second and Hosmer at first. I mean, they would play together for years. Um, But now they're talking about maybe signing Bryce Harper, and you're thinking, why would they sign Harper? They've got six outfielders. Well, yeah, but none of them are like Bryce Harper. Um, So I'm just fascinating with with how this is all going to play out. And for the Padres, signing one of these two guys makes so much sense because they don't have to give up any of their prospects. They don't have to give up any of their hot talent lava. It's just going to cost them money. Now, granted, it's really easy to spend somebody else's money. I get that. But the Padres' revenues um, are they should be able to handle it because even if you added a $30 million salary for a Harper or a Machado, the Padres' average um, excuse me, the Padres payroll would still be below the league average because they got so many other young guys that are at the major league minimum. So you could fit them in, it should fit in the payroll. You'd have this incredible new face of the franchise, particularly if it's Harper. I mean, what a huge marketing opportunity for the, for the, for the team. So I'm just fired up for this. So I've been on Twitter, hitting refresh. I've been at MLB trade rumors, checking out the latest. So I'm excited about it, but it doesn't stop there. More of the good, the, um, baseball prospectus just listed the top 100 players, and nine of them are Padres. And then Major League Baseball had their own prospect list of their top 100, and 10 of them are Padres. So this is just fantastic. I mean, Tatis, Urias, Francisco Mejia, all three of those guys will be on the Major League roster. Mackenzie Gore, um, you know, he we won't see him probably for another year. Um, Chris Paddock, he should be up sometime this year. Um, Adrian Morahan should be up soon. Um, 
Patino, Logan Allen. Logan Allen could be a, a dark horse for the the five-man rotation to start the season. I'm really looking forward to that. I think he could compete. Um, Baez, Naylor, there's Weathers. I mean, the hot talent lava is fantastic. The future is bright. And I am just so anxious to finally break this San Diego sports curse and get a winning team here in San Diego, particularly a baseball team. So um, loving all the good vibes coming with the Padres. They're talking about signing guys, got young guys coming up. So nothing but good stuff. Um, more on the good, and this this is a little bit of a dated topic. It was a little bit over a week ago, but Mayor Kevin Faulkner was on CNN and had some great things to say about the San Diego Tijuana United States Mexico partnership. You know, and here here's Kevin Faulkner. We talked about him in the State of the City address. He's a Republican, but he's not saying we need to build a wall. He wants to build bridges. That was his quote. He goes, "I don't talk about walls. I talk about building bridges." So good for you, Kevin Faulkner. That's the right attitude. We should be thinking more about cooperation, commerce, trade, um, making people's lives better. So there's a free flow of people back and forth across the border. Um, So I love hearing that from Mayor Faulkner. And then more on the good news. Um, Maybe you saw it. It was a few weeks ago on Facebook. They were doing that 10-year challenge where you had to post a picture of you from 20, I guess it was 2009 and 2019, and people were doing it. And then you saw some clever versions that people were doing. Um, But I thought there was a great story that I read, and it came from humanprogress.org, which is a great website if you want good news, because they're always talking about the great things that are happening with human progress, with society, with civilization all around the world. Because you listen to the news today, it's almost all bad news, but human progress shares good news. And they they did their own 10-year challenge, and they said, you know, in all of these categories of life, humans are doing so much better. And I'll just read a couple of them off to you. Extreme poverty is down 18% to 8.6%. Child mortality down 5.8% to 3.9%. Youth illiteracy down from 11.3% to 8.6%. Life expectancy is up from 69.8% to 72.2%. This this is worldwide numbers. So worldwide, humans are doing better. That's good news, and it should be celebrated. It's, in my opinion, one of the least reported stories out there because, you know, what they say, where, when it bleeds, it leads. We always hear bad news. Uh, we rarely hear the good news. So I just want to keep sharing that, and I'll probably try to share more from Human Progress because they've always got good stuff to share. I encourage you to go check out their website, humanprogress.org. Um, the bad. Uh Oh, I just read this story in the Union Tribune. Um, there's a car wash they're talking about putting in Chula Vista. And you would think, okay, a car wash, how is that a big story? Well, they're, um, in order to put this car wash in, they've got to get all of these permits and approvals from the city of Chula Vista. And it's been taking them three years to get all of these approvals from the government to build a car wash. And this is just drives me nuts because... Government makes it hard for people to start businesses, for people to create jobs. Now, this is something the government should be streamlining and making it more easy. But what's happening is, is, is that, and this is the, the, the backroom dealing that I think is so repulsive, because when you look at regulations, and that's what's being used here, building permits, 
um, zoning regulations, safety regulations. A lot of times they're put forward for do-gooder reasons, but there is usually always some moneyed interest behind the scenes that's using it to manipulate the system. And that's what's happening here because there's another guy who owns a car wash that's down the road that wants to block his competition. And so he is working with the city council to make this new entrepreneur make his life difficult. And so they've been, you know, putting, making them do traffic studies and do traffic studies over again and safety studies and all of these hurdles and roadblocks and hoops he's got to jump through. And it's all done to protect another inch, another business. So they have less competition and this drives me nuts. And this is why I think free markets are so much more, are so important because with free markets, we eliminate this kind of cronyism and we allow businesses to compete. And as a consumer, we're better off when there's more competition. If there are two car washes going head to head as a consumer, we're better off because then we're going to have a competitive situation. They're going to try to outbid each other, or in this case, lower prices to attract people, increase quality to attract people. That's a win. And so I'm, uh, I'll call this out to the Chula Vista City Council. Approve this car wash. Come on, man. Let's get off the snide and make this happen. Um, the ugly. Okay, we'll talk a little more local politics here. Here in Poway, have you been following what's going on on Espola Road? And that's one of the main, um, you know, arteries here in Poway. And they've been working on this project to bury the electrical lines and the cable TV lines along Espola, build a nice walkway from Twin Peaks all the way up to the high school. And uh, this project has turned into a disaster. There's been delays. Well, first of all, the project was underbid accidentally, and now they right-sized the bid. Thankfully, it's still under the budget. But, you know, there, there's been delays. Um, there's been unforeseen things that have happened. You know, that's going to happen from time to time. But it got to the point where the construction firm was doing such a poor job that the city fired them. Now, I think we're going to learn more about the details of why they were fired, but now a new contracting company is going to have to come in and clean up the mess. And so this whole thing is just kind of getting ugly. So, um, you know, tip of the hat to the city for launching this project. I think this is a good project. It's just being handled terribly. So I don't know if the city is at fault. Is the contractor at fault? What's going on? I'm looking forward to hearing some good news on this. But right now, it's an ugly story. And then speaking of ugly, the other big story that's been in the media the last 48 hours is the governor of Virginia, who, um, you know, first of all, was, you know, ma made some pretty outrageous comments as it related to, um, you know, uh, abortion after the time of birth, et cetera, which was something. But more importantly, he was... Um, uh, there were found photos of him in his um, medical school yearbook that was either dressed in a uh, Ku Klux Klan Halloween outfit or dressed in blackface. And he wasn't saying which one he was. He immediately apologized. And now he's done a 180 and flip flop and said, hey, it wasn't me in the photo. But then he admitted he also wore blackface in other uh, circumstances when he dressed up as Michael Jackson for some other kind of an event. And I'm thinking, this guy is the governor of Virginia? Come on. Um, this is a guy that needs to resign and he needs to resign yesterday. So let's, we have, there's no place in politics for this kind of racism and, and ugliness, especially when they're flip-flopping it and trying to rationalize it, trying to wiggle out of it. This should be a zero tolerance thing. So that's ugly. So we need to get this guy out. Um, 
All right. So I um, want to put this out to you. If you um, are a business, you want to be a supporter of this project, um, hey, I'd love to have your support. You know, uh, go to my website, johnreillyproject.com. There you can click on the sponsor link and we can run ads for you on this uh, podcast and help promote your business. We help you, you help us. Um, or if you're an individual and just want to be a, a financial supporter, go to my website, johnreillyproject.com. There's a donations button there and you can go to our Patreon page and make donations and uh, and be a supporter. And that'll help us produce more content, uh, make our production a lot more professional and we'll be able to do a lot more things um, with the project. So um, what else? Hey, just want to keep this short. I'm getting ready to head out for the Super Bowl party, um, but I wanted to sneak this podcast in. I want to thank everybody. And if you want to help and you want to be supportive and you don't want to be a financial supporter, that's okay. There are a lot of things you can do. The first thing you can do is listen to every episode. You know, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all the popular podcast platforms. You can watch us on YouTube. Um, subscribe to us. You, if you're watching on YouTube now, click on the subscribe button. There's a red button right below. You can click on it, subscribe. If you're watching or listening on Stitcher, YouTube, Spotify, subscribe there. If you're on iTunes, leave a rating. Leave us a five-star rating. Tell us what you think about the project. That would be great. That would be a great way you can help us. Follow us on social media. I already told you about that. Or just sign up on our email list. Go to johnreillyproject.com. There you can get on our email list. Those are the ways you can help. If you help me, I can produce more content, and we can kind of do this together. And then ultimately, I'll be helping you. So it's all win-win. That's what this is about. So I'll be back. Again, I'm hoping to be back more frequently, but I'll be back again to do it all over again. And until next time, I'm going to leave you with some wise words, not Patrick Swayze. No, we're going to talk about a Super Bowl winning head coach, Vince Lombardi, the winner of Super Bowl one and Super Bowl two of the Green Bay Packers. And this is kind of like what Joe Namath talked about, what I, what I talked about at the top of the podcast. This quote from Lombardi we would accomplish many more things if we did not think of them as impossible. So believe in yourself and make it happen. Thank you very much. This is the John Riley Project, episode 31. Have a great Super Bowl Sunday. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.